is the Fantasy Focus Baseball Podcast. Here are your hosts, Tristan Cockroft and Eric Carabell. That's right. It's Fantasy Focus Baseball on a beautiful Wednesday morning, February 5th. We're, the gang is all here in Bucolic, Bristol, Connecticut, and it's true. I'm looking right at him. Tristan Cockroft across from me, making funny faces. Has way too much coffee to my left. AJ Mass smiling and pointing at Tristan. <laughs> Behind the gloss, it's uh, Kyle Sapi, our gloss? producer, our researcher, our the friend. Gloss? He's a baseball card now? Tyler Chatwood. You know, you didn't have to take Tyler Chatwood in the third round of the labor mix draft last night. Third round was a little early. I a thought little I could wait. Early. I was going to pull the trigger in the first, and I'm like, yeah, let's go for this. If you want your guy, don't take your chances. I get That's it. That's what I'm saying. It's <laughs> fantasy. It. You want your guys for a reason. We will talk about uh, what Kyle did, as well as I think there was a trade on Tuesday night involving a certain player named Mookie. Um, and there are lots of repercussions to that. And there's also stuff since our last show. Let's get right to the news. We'll start with Mookie Betts and AJ. I'll start with you. You're the points league expert, Tristan Moroto. I'm definitely Roto. Uh, Mookie going from the Red Sox to the Dodgers. Does it change your ranking at all? Not really. I think uh, personally, I have Mookie Betts uh, as my number five hitter right now. I, I you can make an argument that maybe he can drop a little bit, um, just because he might not drive in as many runs with the pitcher is on base in front of him, or versus one of the eight or nine guys who would have been in front of him in Boston. So possibly the Arbery guys go down a little bit, but that's not a huge amount of value there. Who's your, who's your four? I actually have both shortstops ahead of him, Turner and Lindor. Okay. Oh, I thought you had only starting pitchers in your top ten. Well, this is well he's saying hitters. We know the AJ ranks come on, and they should have pitchers first. Tristan, I believe when you heard about the trade, your first thought was that Mookie's batting average might drop. Mine was stolen bases. So it's interesting. We have three different thoughts here. On his five offensive categories, yeah. batting average, stolen bases, RBI. You're right on the RBI. He can't knock in Christian Vasquez anymore. Um, Mylon on stolen bases, he only stole 14 last year. Even though it's a contract year still, I just don't know he's, he's going to steal 30 ever again. Why batting average on you? We're, we're nitpicking. Let's be clear on this first. We are just simply nitpicking every little stat we can, which you should do in the first round. The main reason for me is the league switch. As I say, and this came up with Rendon, Guys who switch leagues, new set of pitchers. There could be a little bit of an adjustment period at the beginning of the year, and I think that could show itself in five to ten points in batting average, which to me, I'm not going to quibble. He's still very clearly my number four pick. We assume he's going to lead off for his new team just like he did his old team. Um, what other parts of this trade interest you? Jock Peterson going from L.A. to L.A. seems like a wash for him. I don't know. Maybe he'll lead off again. Power should be good in L.A. You don't think he leads oh, off? Oh, I, I like everybody involved in this trade that didn't go to the Dodgers. I think it was a good opportunity for every player involved. And Peterson, just look at the dynamic of the top three of the Angels order now. When they play against righties, he was a top five player in terms of isolated power home runs against right-handed pitchers in the majors last year. You bat him leadoff against righties ahead of Trout and Rendon? Hmm. You know, something that dawned on me, though, on Jock going to the Angels is Joe Adele is one of the top prospects. And by the way, we have a new top prospect writer, Kylie McDaniel. Welcome to him. Yeah. And uh, he's fantastic, and he'll be doing some uh, some work for us as well this season. Um, Joe Adele is universally one of the top two or three prospects uh, for fantasy. And um, does this block him? Because their outfield is now um, some guy in center with Upton in a corner and Jock Peterson. Otani has to DH once in a while. So, AJ, I'll say to you, does this reflect poorly on a Joe Adele, you know, potentially being promoted in April or May? Or do we wait till September or what? 
Well, I think as we saw last year with all the prospects coming up in in terms of waiting for that date where they don't have to pay them the extra year, I think this gives them a wonderful excuse not to worry about it. And you're not going to see him even considered until that Super 2 date passes by whenever it ends up being. So I, I think it does block him in the short term because just financially it's an excuse for them not to bring him up. Yeah, and every team uses that excuse. But I'll throw this comment out. And some love to Ron Chandler, friend of the podcast. He pointed this out. We need to let go of the idea of no path to playing time. I don't think that this ruins Adele's 2020. There's still the potential that if he plays very well, he's going to get called up. But there's no reason to rush him. So, AJ, I completely agree that you might as well manipulate the service time. They have an excuse for it now. All right. So we still love Mookie as much as before. David Price, we have no idea the state of his elbow. But um, he should, you know, he never pitches poorly. He pitched poorly only after the All-Star break last year, but that was like six starts. Before the All-Star break, he was All-Star worthy. Like his numbers were like a 3-2-4 ERA, a good whip, more than a strikeout per inning. He's going to a pitcher's ballpark. He's going to a place where, and you can look look at this in both ways for fantasy purposes, his value goes up in a way because if, you, if he's ever bad or struggling or hurt in the least, they'll just DL him. His numbers should be good. I just don't know if he reaches 150 innings. Who takes the over on 150 innings? Ooh. You can't, right? Yeah, based on the recent history and my fear with the elbow, because at some point that elbow injury comes back to bite you, I'd have to take the under. Um, the first thing that struck me about David Price is, uh, you know I hate lefties in Fenway Park. I don't like left-handed pitchers, especially starting pitchers in Fenway Park. It was one of the reasons I was a little worried about Chris Sale when he first went there, and it turned out he was fine. By the way, David Price, also very good in Fenway Park, Sub-3-5 ERA at Fenway Park in each of the past three seasons. The home splits were actually pretty decent. And now Dodger Stadium, he should be even better. Exactly, yeah. So this is a pretty decent spot for him. I actually didn't move him in the rankings, but I also ranked him assuming he'll have a relatively healthy year. And AJ, you probably moved Price up, wouldn't you? I would move Price up. I mean, if if not for anything else, like you said, the ERA is probably going to improve a little bit. But um, again, it's the risk-reward there. Like you said, he's not going to pitch anymore just because he's been traded. It's still going to be that you're just waiting for the arm to fall off again. And so this is someone who, if you do draft him and he has a strong April or May, trade him immediately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And get He's a so high guy. Get, yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, anything else here? Bruce Starr, greater all, I assume, is now in Boston's rotation. Maybe not in April, but at some point. Um, if, the Twins get Kenta Maeda. He's a starter. Maeda. If, no, I, well, I love Maeda in Minnesota. Getting him a full-time job. There's some injury question with Maeda. So, of course, we can't just write him in in ink for 30 starts and 200 innings. But I like the prospects of him getting to that level. And I've been very much a fan of him each of the past three years, even in the swingman role. So, right. And by the way, personal rant here, I have no problem with Boston, with what Boston did. Are you going to start on that? <laughs> I'm not, because it's a fancy show, but off the air, I'm going to tell you, good, you know, not good for them. Their team is not as good now, but they just won the World Series and they had a shed salary and they did it. They found a team to take David Price. Yeah. And who knows what Verdugo will do. So anyway, <laughs> good for them. There's other signings since our last show on trades. Starling Marte it was moved to Arizona. And, you know, Marte gets taken early in drafts, more roto than points, because there are very few guys who can hit 20 home runs and steal 30 or 40 bases. And so, Tristan, I'll start with you first here, because I'm assuming that AJ doesn't care about the stolen bases and points leagues. Mm -hmm. But for you, um, Stolen Marte, you like him more or less now? Leaving Pittsburgh, you have to like him more. Oh, without a doubt. Pittsburgh is one of the worst. PNC Park is one of the worst. Beautiful park, though. It's an absolutely beautiful (laughs) park. It is an utter nightmare for right-handed power. 
That was one thing working against Marte in Pittsburgh. And granted, he's not a big power source, but the fact that he had two modest power totals in each of the past two seasons, over 20 home runs, is a very good sign for him moving to Arizona. And granted, the humidor has decreased the homer factor in Chase Field, but it's still very clearly a ballpark bump. The odds of him being 20 and 30, 20 plus homers, 30 plus stolen bases are extremely high. That makes him a very clear top 30 pick at the bare minimum in Roto Leagues, though. I I think this is one of the players with the widest, and AJ, you can tell Tell me how you feel about this. I think he has one of the widest divides of any player between the two. Uh, well, certainly the the strikeouts are incredibly high and the walks are incredibly low, so that damages his value, but not as much as you'd think. I mean, I've, I've always been higher on Martin points leagues. It, it, it's it's counterintuitive. Um, I just think, especially with the, tr- the move to such a big ballpark, the, the outfield, the doubles, the triples, I, I think those are going to make up for any uh, any negatives in the strikeouts. It, he just needs to lower that K rate a little bit, and he's a top 20 even in points leagues. So tell me this. Do you agree doubles are the great underrated thing in points leagues now? Absolutely. That's where the value Absolutely. is lying. Uh, it, it, it's, it's You're getting that free base, that uh, and, and it, it's amazing how people don't look at the doubles and triples and triples. Those, mm-hmm. Every base counts. Yeah. And we'll get to our top 10s are coming up soon. They're vastly different for the three of us. Uh, one more move. Nick Castellanos is now a member of the Cincinnati Reds and, um, you know, not the best defensive player, but it's an interesting team because they've got a good deep lineup. They signed Mustakas as well, the same contract. This probably means Jesse Winker's not going to play very much, but you know what? Hit left-handed pitching and that won't be a problem for you and you can't do it. Um, but Castellanos, you know, people, people view him as a guy who's had some monster fantasy seasons and he really hasn't. He's not a 300 hitter. I think he's hit 30 home runs never, maybe, or maybe once off the top of my head. I mean, I, I've, I feel like I've talked him up so much that he has we done keep it at talking one point. him but... up as a guy who, who's so great in fantasy and a dead fire top 20 outfielder. And I'm like, he's not a top 20 outfielder. He's a good player, but he's not really a, a to me, a safe top hunter pick. We've never really seen the upside. The career highs, 27 home runs last year, 525 slugging last year. 58 doubles. That's a lot. Last year. He's very good for doubles. So to the point that AJ and I were just bringing up, Castellanos is very underrated for that reason. Um, I, I still like the guy a lot. And the only reason I've ever hesitated on him is the talk about the hard, uh, hard contact metrics in Detroit, that there was a period of time earlier in his career where every Detroit hitter was getting a, kind of an undeserved bump. A lot of people in the industry felt like the, the, the radar gun was a little bit too inflated. But his numbers, the metrics the past three years, were good. Love the ballpark for him. I just don't like the defense in Cincinnati with that pitching staff. Yeah, and since defense, you know, doesn't count in fantasy in terms of his particular value, uh, I I think the it he made my top twenty outfielders after the trade. He wasn't there before, and okay. it, and it's it's so the ballpark jump help. The ballpark jump help with him. I I mean, I can see fifty doubles from him. I really can, and that's going to be huge in addition to the home runs he does hit. Maybe he doesn't make it to thirty, but. But in a roto league, like the way that he and Marcelo Zuna are compared, Zuna's had that monster year. It's been average the last two years. But people view Castellanos as having monster years, and he's never had one. And in Azuna's so, defense, he seems overrated to me. In Azuna's defense, I believe that year also came in a really extreme pitcher's park. So, okay. fair point. It's a fair point. Look, this may be the year. Maybe what he did for the final two months for the Cubs last season, you know, he does it again with the Reds over six months, but I think he was just motivated in a contract year, and that's it. So I'll ask you two questions. One, where do you know where you have Azuna and Castellanos? I have them right next to each other, right at the borderline of the I top think, 20. I view them as like 18 to 25 range. Okay. I think that's the right valuation for them. The other one is this. With the Eugenio Suarez injury, 
You you and I had talked about this yesterday. I think they might. I, they could, could play they? Castellanos at third for April. Could they you really imagine could. Castellanos at third base and Mike Mustakas at second base? It's a it's an interesting uh, approach to the <laughs> interesting being. They probably gentle. won't. They could play Nick Senzel at second and move Mustakas to third. But you know Senzel. Is another guy who's who seems overrated. He hasn't done it yet. He, he had a couple chances, and they just signed a, a slew of players to push him aside. They signed the outfielder from Japan to play center field. Senzel might start the year in Louisville, right? He might, yeah. yeah. So just I don't know. Senzel, Senzel's value takes a pretty definitive hit here. He's uh, he's dropping back into a utility role, and I mean, we heard the trade rumors too. How can they trade him? But if you're drafting in fantasy and you want help for this year in a redraft league. I don't even think Senzel is draftable now. Senzel or, or as you mentioned, Shogo Akiyama. Akiyama's going to play. I, th- I think you definitely have a situation here where this Cincinnati outfield is turning into what Los Angeles' outfield was last year, where there were so many bodies and so few positions to put them all, which just naturally deducted the value for all of them. And now you're seeing where you got your Peterson and Verdugo free from that that glut, now they are going to rise. And like I said, in a situation like this, the Reds have to drop just because there isn't enough room for all of them. Where where do you two have, uh, where do you two stand on the mix and match teams like Los Angeles and Tampa Bay? Cincinnati could go in this direction with the parts they have to maximize their daily matchups. And in our game where you have daily transactions. Uh, I mean, it's an interesting theory. I don't know if you're going to have the roster room to do it. Um to, to, you know, for you to get the players to, to, mm-hmm. in order to pull that off. And I don't, you know, it takes a certain type of manager, uh, and a certain type of player to pull that off. I think Tampa does it very well and they're built for that. I don't think Cincinnati's build, building with that in mind, it might turn into that sort of thing. So the, the success works a lot better when you have that Joe Madden blueprint that t- Tampa Bay had going in when they started this trend. If you're in a standard ESPN league, uh, which is now points, you can afford to do stuff like that. Take players like Jose Martinez and Nick Senzel and hope they play and make your roster changes daily. If you're in a weekly Roto League, I can't even draft those guys. I, I, I need plate appearances. I need to know that, that the guy that I'm drafting is going to play enough. Well, you, know, you I mean, Tommy Edmond is a huge points league player. Uh, to, just to give you for St. Louis. Well, he was last year. I'm, I'm saying he, even, again. but he might not do that again, but he, because he can play five different positions yeah. yes, and, and, important. and just the amount of positions, yeah. players like that are hugely valuable in points leagues because of the daily moving around of things. So he's, he's, he's someone who can you consider in a top 50 hitter's position just because if he does what he does, he's going to play and he's going to give you that. That mobility in your line. They have, they have outfield opportunity too there. Still. Yeah. Oh, they're, 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 they're definitely paths to him playing a good amount. Yeah, absolutely. All right, what else do we need to do here? Since we have all three of us together, I guess we should talk about our rankings a little bit. And since uh, Points League is now our standard, as it has been for a few years now, AJ, go through your rankings, you know, not every player, but briefly here with trends. Obviously, start the, the top tier of starting pitchers is the same for all three of us, but you have the big four in your top ten, I believe. Uh, you pro- what, else, what, what other strategies do you have in your, like, your top hundred? Yeah, well, I mean, definitely that, that is a thing where the, the – You have Garrett Cole number one? I have Garrett Cole number two. I have Acuna number one. Okay. Um, but you need to take one of the big four in the first round. I mean, you can build around it, but if you don't get one in the first round, the the line between four and five, there, there's such a drop off there that you can, it makes the, all four of them viable and very important. You need a solid starting pitcher, especially if you're going to use the type of strategy that Tristan and I know, like to do some points leagues where where you get an ace mm-hmm. and then you just get all the closers you can. 
Um, but you for can't. For points leagues. For points yeah. leagues. And you can't do that if you don't have the ace. And I think these four are so solid. And, and we should name them. It's, it's Cole, um, DeGrom, Verlander, Scherzer. Yes. Okay. And th- those are the four, which is why, which is why they're all in my top 10. And, and it's why, you know, um, it drops Trout. Trout is my number 10. Um, he's my number six hitter, and I might switch him with bets now after the trade, but. And good for you, man, because I have Trout number three overall with two hitters before them, and you, Tristan, have Trout number one. Yeah. I don't think, I mean, I can make the case, but, I mean, Trout misses 30 games a year. So. Does I'm, he? Well, he has the last three years. Yeah. Isn't that a trend? A couple of those are a little fluky. You know, well, if it keeps happening, it's not fluke. Yeah, no, I, I, I understand. He, he's definitely in, you know, decreased his health grade. And here. AJ's big reason worse. here for Trout not being is deals, I, right? Trout has said at the end of last season, when the season was over, I, I read interviews with him where he said, you know, I really needed to make sure that I'm able to play in September. I'm, I'm not running as much. I'll ask you this, AJ. You, do you have Acuna, Yelich, and Trout in some order as your top three hitters for points too? I think we all it's have Trout them. six. No, no, because I have the two shortstops. Oh, the two shortstops. Okay. Short but I, I have a Kino one and, and Christian Sacken. But in terms of those of three, hitters. I know that we're seeing those commonly for rotisserie leagues. And I think in points leagues, they're all going to end up being first rounders. I would argue that Trout and uh, Acuna are the ones that have that that little nitpicking piece that bothers me more than Yelich does. What bothers you about Acuna? Acuna's batting average. He strikes out too much. There's a little bit too much swing and, and miss. And batting average is fine for yours. It doesn't. I don't care about batting average points. as long right. as he gets on base. Yeah. If, <laughs> if all the rest of the points yeah. add up, yeah. it doesn't matter. If 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 AJ's right and Trout steals only ten bases or twelve bases, no, oh, then I'm way off. Then we're both way off. He shouldn't be my number three hitter by that point. Bellinger should pass him. Bet should definitely be ahead of him. Then Bet should pass him. I mean, like if mm-hmm. Trout's not going to run, that's a big story yes. for spring training and fantasy baseball. I mean, I've got him three. I might move Trout to like ten. I don't think I could drop him down to 10. What's the difference? <laughs> Why would you take Trout over Arenado if Trout's not stealing 10 bases? Well, Arenado is in a tricky spot right now. Say because he stays. He, if he stays? Why would you take Trout yeah. over Freddie Freeman? What? Freeman, well, what I love about Freeman is the high floor. Freeman's floor is one of the highest in all of baseball. That's why I I'm like him in the second round. Just look at the numbers and Trout's not stealing bases. He's not better than Freeman yeah, or Arenado. He yes, he is. Oh, He's boy. definitely better. Than I, I think for me, it's the combination of the, the not running and if I mean if Trout plays 162 games, oh, yeah, he will be he <laughs> will be the number one right. player. So uh, you know, I think you have to hedge your bets against that though, just based on recent history. On top of the fact that he's aware of that recent history, and I'm. I'm just not convinced that he's he's not going to take those extra days off along the way just to make sure he's healthy in September. Give me the games played for each of those. I want to hear what, what the games played for those three players. All right. I would say Acuna over under 150. Okay. And I'll probably take the over. I'd probably take the over. Yelich, I would say 145, and I would take the over. That was a fluke. He, he fouled a ball off his knee. And then Trout, I would say 135. I think it's higher than that. I think it's one. Why? It's been three years now. I I still what think more for, you need to be hit over the head here. I mean, I love Trout. I, I, I think, think he maxes most. at one forty-five. I, I think I, he maxes at one because I think they'll just be extra okay. careful with this him. Is, but this explains why we yeah. differ in the rankings. I think Trout's an amazing player and very clearly I better than these other two. I I. But the I've been volume thinking, matters. It has it to matter. It does. And I'm wondering whether if I'm discarding the worry about Trout's injuries, I should be doing that for Yelich. And frankly, Yelich makes a really compelling case at number one. Yeah. And I think yeah. he might be the... We might all be making a mistake putting Yelich three behind Acuna and Trout. We right. might. I have Yelich too. But yes, I see your point. We, I, I, I could make the case here for Yelich over Acuna. Well, if you, it, it, quite frankly, especially in points leagues, if Acuna only steals 25 bases, then yeah. Yelich Chris, Chris, Chris Yelich is number one. 
is if he steals 35 bases, then then yeah. the just number one. It, 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 we are splitting hairs at the top yeah. here. Trout's the best player in baseball, period. Yeah. But for fantasy purposes and for points league purposes, if you're at the tail end of a 10-team league first round, you have to, you know, he's not going to be there because a lot of people are not going to buy into this, but right. I would consider even maybe passing him over, depending on who's on the board. He's so, going top three in points, I bet. Well, absolutely. Most, but I see your point, yes. I probably, well, I would take him if he's number three. So you made, made a good point. We all have the top tier starting pitchers. Who's your number five, and where are you taking him? The, the number five yeah. starting pitcher, is he a second-round pick? Is he a fourth-round pick? And who is it? Yeah, I'm really interested in the points league angle on this one because I think you still need that ace. And let's say that you you get the unfavorable draft position. Let's say, for example, you're in a 15-team league and you have the 10th pick in a points league. You're not getting one of those top four. So you're probably dipping into this next pool. And do you do that in the first round or you'd wait for the second? And how does it factor in 10 teams? Yeah, I, I mean, like I said, it, it's part of it is the pressure of when you see the first four off the board, you know, you People start to panic and they're going to start taking pitchers, which actually can free you up to get a lot of bargains on the hitting side. But, um, you know, Bieber's my number five, Bueller's my number six, Sale's my number seven. Um, that's kind of the next tier as far as I see it. And I would take them in the back end of the second round, certainly. Um, again, because I'm, I'm, I'm of the mind you need one ace and you don't want a lot of other teams to start taking those aces otherwise because it gets really spotty after around 15 of, you know, Tristan. Also, the strategically speaking, that's not the pool you want to be in. You well, you and I always take the strategy in the ESPN yeah. leagues where we want to fill in with streamers rather than dip into the middle pool. Yeah, I mean, you don't want, you don't you don't want Charlie Morton anchoring your staff. He's a good pitcher, but you don't want him anchoring your staff. Mm. There's been since our last show when when I talked up Shane Bieber, and obviously AJ loves him because he has number five. There's been some feedback against me that that I'm way too high on Bieber. Not only our friend Gia, but other people have said. That's one year. How can you do that? How can you put Bieber over Strasburg? And I thought about it. I don't have that. I have Strasburg five. But are we overrating Bieber off of one season? Are we overrating Jack Flaherty off of the final three months of last season? Are we overrating Bueller based on potential? All three of those can be true. Yes. And they are the questions that I am seeing raised in the industry very frequently, specifically those three players. Bueller's is the quietest. I've seen a lot of anti-Jack Flaherty discussion lately. And I am choosing to remain on the pro Jack Flaherty bandwagon because that slider is amazing. And the improvements he made with the fastball can certainly support avoiding severe regression. I think he's staying in the top 10 regardless. There's some other people who disagree with that, but I think his stuff with those two pitches is truly elite and ace worthy. And I think he can give you the volume. Bieber. I like Bieber. I think Bieber is one of those ones where the floor doesn't scare me. I just don't know what the ceiling is. I don't know if the ceiling hit it. Right, and I don't know that he has any chance of getting in the top five starting pitchers at the end of the year. I, I think that that's very unlikely. But I also think it's highly unlikely he's outside the top twenty-five. That things are catastrophic. I see him being eight to eight to seventeen, very likely. Briefly on closers, because ESPN's daily format does enhance the value of quality relievers. Um, in points leagues, it's smart to go reliever heavy early. In roto leagues, I'm not even taking a reliever till like round twelve. So why the big difference, AJ? Um, it's, well, it's basically because you're not locked into those categories, you know, and if you're looking for saves, you can, you can dump saves and, and not even worry about it, and you're fine in category based league, you know, you've chosen to dominate other areas, and of course, as we know, closers, those jobs change, and you can find a guy later in the season who suddenly gets the job, you know, if you can, you can claim that guy. Uh, in terms of points leagues, every point is the same. It, it's one number. It all gets piled into one score. And I like having the opportunity, rather than risking on a pitcher 
um, you know, maybe facing a team who's using trash cans to give him a really awful start oh or boy, something. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, one bad start from your pitcher could be a negative score for that week. And, you know, that's it. You're, you're done. Whereas I'd rather have, you know, the reliever who can maybe pitch three times, get two saves and seven strikeouts. And that's as good as the starting pitcher's total for that week. And, and, and if you get eight of them. Yes. And it doesn't even matter who wins that week. Your starters aren't pitching that day, so right. you can move them yeah. in and It's out. the access to the relief pitcher on that given day. You know you're not getting access to the starting pitcher. Yeah. I want to maximize every roster spot. You're in between the two of us, because I'm he's at one extreme and I'm at the other extreme. I'm like not even looking at saves this yeah. year. I'm just I'm like I have had enough of dealing with closers who keep getting hurt, keep losing their jobs. Uh Kenley Jansen, he's on the verge of that. I mean, I'm tired of dealing with this junk. So but you have like Josh Hader ranked number fifty yeah. in a roto head to head. Explain that. Because I still believe that there is a premium worth paying for relief pitchers. I think that the elite guys have enough safety in their roles, and they also have enough great skills, especially in terms of strikeouts, that you need to invest in one of those top closers, as long as the the bidding doesn't get out of hand. I would argue that dipping into the, oh, I'll figure it out later, don't pay for saves kind of pool, is the wrong direction. I think we've swung too far as an industry over the past five years into that side, and I think that if you do wait, you're going to find it more difficult than not to fill in those spots. In it's fairness, a poor investment. It's a no, poor it's not. investment. No, it's not. Edwin Diaz is not is not a good example in order to trash closers because now we're all getting back on the Edwin Diaz bandwagon. There's five Edwin Diaz's every year, Tristan. The, and that happens at a lot of positions. That happens at a lot of positions. I think it happens more closer. Where was Kenley Jansen on the final player rater last year? He had a terrible Terrible. Year. Where, no, he was not. He was most certainly not. He was 350. Where was he on the final player rater? Among closers? Take a guess. No, overall. Where was he? I don't think it, I don't think our player raider, which not, not, not for points, it's for Roto, effectively manages closers because saves, they're, they're the only ones getting saved. So it pumps them up too much. Billy Hamilton was a top 10 guy stealing bases this, this, on our player raider. This value, That's ridiculous. This is the true value of the statistics in your league at the end of the year. He was 73rd on the player raider. Where was he in points leagues last year? I don't know. Do you know where he was? <laughs> Actually, I don't have it in front of me now. 142nd. That means he was nearly in the first half, in the in the above yeah, half of. You're active... viewing the player raider as meaning something for constructing a team, and, but... and and on top of that, I will say, uh, Kenley had really bad first week, and he had a really bad week in the middle of the season. And if you take those out, it's different because it is a head-to-head weekly. It's not like it's mm-hmm. not the cumulative thing over the course of the year. So that right. also, n- yeah. you know, that it negates that. I, a I, bit. I don't feel that I'm going to get one of these guys. I don't want to pay an aggressive price for them. So I very often will rank guys and end up taking them around later than the number I put on them. But I do think it's important to not allow these closures to slip. If Hater is slipping into the seventh round, thank you. Look, in NL Labor last year, I, I I drafted two closers. They should have been good. And then, but it was so easy to trade for saves during the season because teams are like, well, I'm not moving up. So I'll just give this guy away. I didn't even have to pay market price. All right. I want to get to this as well. Um, so Kyle was in the mixed labor draft. The labor draft, Tristan and I will be flying to Tampa in a couple of weeks for AL and NL only. You can give the dates on that, right? Um, so it's February 28th to March 1st. February. And that's also first pitch Florida. Yes. Our friends at Baseball HQ. Yep. So maybe you can still sign up for that. And Tristan's an AL. I'm an NL. NL is the Friday the 28th? Yes. And your Saturday. NL, yeah, NL is the 28th Friday and AL is the 29th. And you can watch them and if you're at first pitch. We should also note that Tout Wars is two weeks later. The all three of us, AJ, Tristan, and I will be in Tout Wars in one of the leagues. But we want to talk about Kyle. He's sharing the team with Stefania Bell. Kyle did the draft last night, and I thought it was very interesting what he did. He picked 15th out of all 15. All right, so it was a 15-round draft. 
He got Scherzer at pick 15. Juan Soto was still there at pick 16. I can't un- wow. explain that. And That's Kyle, steal. I'm just wondering what your thoughts were when you saw Soto slipping to you because I, I have Soto as like a top 10 guy for sure. It's funny. I love Soto. Don't get me wrong. I was looking for Freeman the whole way. Had it planned out. Was looking good there. Then he gets taken and Soto left. So really a weird juxtaposition there, but I'll take it. I mean, Soto, 17 for 20 for his career on stolen bases, and we know he has the power. Like, why isn't he a power speed guy that's only going to get better? Yeah, totally agree, and I thought you did well here. Your third pick was also a national, Patrick Corbin, who I think I'm moving up in my rankings. The more research I'm doing here, I'm switching my rankings. And to me, Patrick Corbin is safer than some of these other guys. He might end up as my one of my top ten starters. you got Rizzo, Moncada, who I'm not really buying, Rosario, Tim Anderson. You took Kenley Jansen. Yeah, round eight. You, that's But that's to the point. It's round eight. It's a, Yeah, that's outside the top hundred. Yeah. That's a so, hundred and that's the hundred and sixth pick. It's okay. That's okay. a that's that's good but value. You know, Kenley Jansen could just blow up and lose the job. Like what you, what you say to you say to yeah, but it's getting worse. Like his whip was actually very very good. Yeah, but it's easy to homer often now. It's easy to homer the off cutter, almost everyone. The cutter nowadays. is down two miles per hour. Like, yeah, this that can't end me. well. Yeah. yeah, well, I think that again goes to the whole thing about the points league strategy of taking a bunch of closers. Yeah, because then you're not reliant on one single one. I mean, quite frankly, after Hader and Osuna, I don't have any confidence really in any I closer agree. this year. Mm-hmm. None. The other closer it, it, that um, that uh, Kyle ended up with was Will Smith of Atlanta, who may not even be a closer. They're saying Mark Melanson is going to start the round eleven, so that would be pick one sixty-five from the look of it. It's not a bad value at the spot, yeah. but I can't yeah. tell you if Will Smith's going to have five saves or 35 saves. The the one that stands out to me, and you mentioned this, him this morning, was Chris Davis. The K, Oakland, Chris Davis. Yes. The Oakland guy. I will take this price every day of the week. Wow. 14th round pick. Yeah, that's a great time to get him. Yeah. He yeah, can I mean, go why back can't to he do home it? Runs. That's nearly that's nearly the two hundredth pick. Yeah, the draft. I don't want to channel my inner Carabelle here, but why can't he do what he did in like twenty eighteen and the can. four years prior? One hundred eighty six pick. I think I have him one hundred fortieth, and yeah, I, I'd agree. I mean, the injuries are a question, but I think we're getting that answer in spring training. The only risk you took is that you haven't seen spring training yet, so. And nobody's seen spring training for a draft that takes place right after the Super Bowl. I mean, if that's forty home runs in my utility spot at pick two hundred or whatever it was, I'll take it. No, I think you did well, Kyle. Uh, best of luck to you and Stefania in the labor drafts. And then Thank Tristan you, in a couple of weeks, we'll, we'll be talking about on the shows. Uh, let's move it along now. That's the first half of the show. It's hash brown time, a little music, and some Q&A. Oh, yeah. All right. Kyle, you got the questions. What's answer in our chair? I got the questions. You got the answers? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the questions are. No, well, let's see how this goes. Patrick wants to know if you're buying Dansby Swanson's growth that he showed in the first half last year or if the second half is too much of a concern. All right, Dansby Swanson is the question. I'll start with you, AJ. Does Dansby Swanson matter in a Roto or a points league? Because you could argue that shortstop is so deep, you've got two of them in your top five, that a guy who ends up hitting, like, say, 260 or 270 with 15 home runs and 10 steals, is that even draftable anymore? It can be draftable, but not as, like, your starter. Uh, you know, and not as your middle guy. Shortstop. He's a bench guy, right? Yeah, he's a bench guy. I mean, look, I have him as my number 27 shortstop. That includes people with multiple eligibility, but I don't think he's bad by any stretch of the imagination, but I think shortstop is so deep. I mean, I got Bo Bichette as my number 10. I mean, he's, no, Seager, he's nowhere is, is near. Seager even in your top 10? Uh, no. No, I mean, there's, no. shortstop is... 
Yeah. Look, we've been talking about this for years. The first base is not not what people think. So if Freddie Freeman's on the board for you at pick 12, you take him. Mm-hmm. Because you're not in round 15. It's like Edwin Encarnacion is the best first baseman. Think think of the pools, by the way, too, between corner infield and middle infield. I'd say the third base among corner infield is significantly deeper than first base. Yeah. I'd say shortstop significantly deeper than second base at middle. Exactly. So why are we talking Dansby Swanson? The point is, like, shortstop is deep. Each of you, do we have a shortstop who you want to take later on in your respective roto and points league drafts that, that matters to you? Somebody, maybe a sleeper pick at shortstop? You know, I I think judging off last year, I mean, I'm a Mets fan. I watch a lot of Mets games. I mean, oh, Rosario had a really good se- <laughs> he had a really good second half compared to the first half. The first half was abysmal. I think he hit like 220 in May, and it looked like what is he, he doing in run. the majors? I mean, he had a 350 month somewhere after the break. I, I don't think certainly he's not that great, and I don't have him in my top uh, 15. But late in the draft, yeah. Middle infield spot in round 20, I'll take it. Absolutely. And I'll use the same principle that he said, like I say this all the time, Chris Davis of Oakland is bouncing back. Didi Gregorius is bouncing back. 25 home runs in Philadelphia. That was the guy I was about to say. (laughs) I mean, I love him in Philly. Why can't he get 275 with 25 home runs and nobody's even drafting him? He's a, he's a pole fly ball guy and that's the ballpark for a lefty hitter like that. I was saying with Harper last year, I think Didi's in for a big bounce back. By the way, okay, go ahead. I'll throw Kevin Newman out there as a guy who you're going to get very, very late who could fill the middle infield spot and has some upside. This falls into the Swanson kind of basket, but I think that the name value is less. So you'd get him even later. And that's what you're doing with your middle infield spot. You're taking, uh, kind of throwing a dart at a guy with a little bit of upside, which I guess is what Swanson has. And Nick Madrigal. Nick Madrigal is the Cleveland rook, uh, the White Sox rookie. Mm-hmm. And we think he's going to hit for a high batting average. Mm-hmm. Is he? Is he going to win the job, too? Is he clearly going to uh, you know, capture a starting job on day one? We don't know that Well, yet. he's going to definitely start the year in the minor leagues. I mean, right, but, he have to? right, but the the point being that we've seen a lot of hotshot prospects have great spring trainings, and then the debate about service time comes up. Is he going to be one of this year's examples for that? I mean, Fernando Tatis at this point last year was no way will he be in the majors on opening day. Absolutely, as a matter of fact, a week before exactly opening day, that was the case. But I'll say this: Nick Madrigal is a guy who doesn't strike out, doesn't walk, but he's going to hit for average. He makes contact. Mm-hmm. Don't assume mm-hmm. that he can't hit for at least marginal power. I don't assume that Nick Madrigal, if he gets 400 PAs, can't hit 12 home runs. Mm-hmm. I just don't assume it anymore. We have no idea what the ball is going to look like this season. So Madrigal at second base. He's second base, not shortstop. Second base. Second base, yeah. But, yeah, interesting. All right, uh, Kyle, what's next? Andrew's curious about Trevor Bauer. We know he can throw a ball over the wall from the pitcher's mound, but will he be any good in 2020? <laughs> Trevor Bauer is interesting. Let's put it that way. Um, numbers were not good last season. Home runs, walks. But that's a lot of strikeouts, 250 strikeouts, National League, but a hitter's park. AJ, starting with you, is Trevor Bauer among your top 20 points league starting pitchers? He can't be now, right? No, he is. He's he's not, but he's close. And I think just the strikeout upside certainly keeps him in that conversation. Um, I, you know, I think it goes downhill really quickly after around maybe the top 13, 14 pitchers. And there's a huge batch there that you can say, like 15 to 30, interchangeable. It comes to whether or not you think the strikeout upside is there. And I think of the pitchers in that grouping, he's got the most strikeout upside. But this is Samarja now. This is For years we've been talking on this show about Jeff Samarja being a bad ERA and whip guy, but because of the strikeouts you had to take him. And Bowers only had one great season. Okay, that was the aberrant one. Last year and, and three years ago was not. So is Trevor Bauer now a Jeff Samarja type 
who's going to hurt your ERA and whip, but give you lots of strikeouts. That's an interesting comp. I, it's, you're really making me think with that one because I, I would immediately, well, I would immediately go to the fact he's 29. He didn't lose any velocity last year. And, the, and when I give the, the casual glance at his numbers, I say fastball and slider were off a, a pitching coach like the Reds have could fix that, but he didn't do it for the Reds. He was terrible for them. What was he? He was two and five with a 639 ERA and the FIP backed it as a bad, bad performance. So spring training is going to say a lot in Trevor Bowers case. I don't think I'd let him slip outside the top 25, maybe top 30 starting pitchers. But I can't draft him as a cornerstone. If, no, but, not as a cornerstone. No but I'm, I'm going to take him ahead of like a Mike Miner type or yeah. or you know Joe Musgrove. Like like he's he's better than those guys. I just don't think why there is a he lot better of top than names. Mike Miner? Why is he better? Mike Miner had a fantastic season, albeit in Texas. He overcame Texas. Why is everybody whiffs. assuming it's just whiff strikeouts? Yeah, just, I don't think well, zero and whip are fine. Yeah, no, the, the, but strikeouts matter in points. Right? No, no, I know, but like. <laughs> If we think that Bauer's going to end up with a 450 ERA and Miner a 375, Mike, and I understand Mike Miner's not striking out 250, but Lance Lynn might. Those two Texas pitchers are vastly underrated in fantasy leagues for this season. In regular well, fantasy, Miner yes, and, but Mike Miner's going to walk 100 batters. And I would, I would say, right, so Lynn, points, that's also in the points league, you're taking Lynn over Miner, and I don't think that's that close, is it? Lance Lynn's Lynn get, legit. Lynn gets no, K's. It's, it's 200 K's. Oh, I know. I was, we talked Lance Lynn last year. That's one of the guys I whiffed on the most. Because the case, he I got just think the people in a general sense are assuming that these. I two don't Texas think it's that big of a difference. Can't do it. I don't. But think who do you have first? I have minor slightly, but I think a little bit of that is just based on what he did last year. I think I have more trust in a repeat. Right, right. The, the skills being fairly more consistent. It's of the close, two year over year. It, we're not talking a huge number of. Uh, I just go us. so heavy on K's in a points league, so that's why it would be. But K's plus the wall. It's KBB. Yeah, it's not K's. True. No, no, it's, it's all fair. You're right. It's fair. I just, in a general sense, those two Texas pitchers, are they going to do exactly that again? Maybe not, but they're better than you think. All right. And and Bauer, I'm not sure he is better than you think. <laughs> Where do you have him? Bauer, he's not in my top 20. Is he in your top 30? Probably, yeah. Because I think, and I think that that's more of a, uh, speaking more to the, the starting pitching pool itself, that yes. he's still in the top 30. It's so ten just years for the ago, strikeouts, but like this is Samarja now, people. Right, ten years I was ago, looking up, but my laptop's being worked on right now because it doesn't work. But we got twenty-one, Eric, between Giolito. Oh, that's bad. Okay. I got to change that. But, but my but, rankings don't reflect. But what that's I think the right pool. Now. <laughs> my point is, that's the pool. Ten years ago, he'd be fiftieth. Samarja, at the time you're talking about, would be fiftieth. Yeah, it's just he the nature was of the thirty-five. Game. He wasn't fifty. When he had an ERA of 450 with 200 strikeouts. But, but you remember where I'm talking about that era where we had more volume. I mean, it's it's pretty distinct in the I past. I have Bauer over Giolito. That's bad. I got to change that. Giolito's 20. You have Bauer 21. Yeah. I, Bauer should be 25 for me. That's I like fair. him more than you guys do, but I don't like him. Well, he's I don't 23 know, I like for me, so it's not that much. Oh, so maybe yeah. not. All right. <laughs> it's it just in relation to some of the other names you brought up, but, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I got was twenty four for me. I got yeah, my rankings. <laughs> but but I think that goes to, to perception. We we all have in the same spot. But look at how we're talking about him. And yeah, like I, I we, think that's just just this interesting. Well, may I ask? Should shouldn't it be he's either tenth or he's seventieth? No, because the strikeouts alone will keep him in the top thirty. But but what he did for Cincinnati, if he is a, a train wreck again, he doesn't belong anywhere near the top twenty five. What David Price did after the All Star break, he shouldn't be drafted. I mean, it, it it depends. I think there's a lot of train wrecks out there. Speaking of Kyle, you have any more questions? Hey, now. Not nice. (laughs) Mark wants to know what you guys think of Otani this year, both as a hitter and a pitcher. That's a good question. Shohei Otani is the question. And, uh, you know, I don't want to say for sure on this, but do we have him with starting pitcher eligibility? He is. Because he did not 
He, he, he is not a DH qualify. and a starting pitcher only. We shouldn't. We shouldn't. We should because of Lance McCullers' example that in a league where a pitcher where you only use pitchers as a position, if okay. he doesn't have a starting pitcher designation, you couldn't use him there, and he needs to be available in his first start. I guess that makes sense, but man, like he, like I'm a stickler for rules, and Jed Lowry should be a DH only because he didn't play it in the field. That, and... that I could also debate because he was only a pinch hitter, and the original Roto rules weren't crystal clear on pinch hitting only. All right, so let's get to Otani's numbers here and expectations, um, because I don't think he. I mean, he's coming off Tommy John surgery. We know he can hit, all right, but they're not going to have him DHing four times a week. And starting only on Sundays, he's going to play less as a DH. You saw the rule, too, that uh, MLB approved that he can pitch a rehab game while remaining on the active Angels roster. So that was an interesting takeaway. That means that they they will look at him as an everyday DH right from the start. But when does he start pitching for the the Angels? So I'll I'll set the over-unders at 25 starts and 450 PA, and I'll take the under on both. I'll take the under on the starting, and I will take the... Over on the, I'll take, I'll take under on both. And I, I, we're not negative, AJ and I, we're realistic. Yeah, I, I wouldn't, if it wasn't for the fact I could combine him into, into the, the pitcher slash hitter hybrid, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't pick him in either category. It's just the, mm-hmm. the combination of the two elevates him to a point. I, but, I, but what are the advantages in an ESPN standard league of having Otani on your roster? Can you discuss that? Because you can use him in yeah. a daily league for whenever you know he's playing. Yeah. So in an ESPN league at, at whatever you lock as a weekly or a daily, you must pick him as either a pitcher or a hitter. So in a weekly league, he's going to have less appeal for you than he is in a daily league where on his DH days, you know, check the lineup card. If he's in there, you throw him into your lineup. And then when he pitches, throw him in only as a pitcher. He's very unlikely to be DHing or batting as a pitcher in the Angels lineup on the day that he's starting. So you'll maximize his value in those specific. And that's the ESPN standard. That's why I like him in that. And I rank him well. I would probably say he doesn't have a chance at a top 100 outcome. If you're in a weekly league. So when we face Tal Ors and Labor, I think he's less attractive there than he is in the ESPN standard, which explains my ranking. I'm fading him in a general sense. Are you doing the same? Um, n- no, because I mean, I have him as my number 59 player overall, but that's assuming, that's high. but that's assuming that's he pitches thing, yeah. because I can use him okay. in both. Exactly. I, I, again, I wouldn't draft him as either if he didn't do both. I'm going to challenge you on, on the number here that I don't think the over under is dead on if I made it 18 for his starts. How would you two feel? It seems about right. I'd probably, yeah, I'd probably <laughs> go a little over, but that, I'm that's, 20, that's right neighborhood. Yeah. I'm tempted to go under on the 18 starts too, but I think it's I think it's going to be in high teens. But he's very interesting, and he's very good as a pitcher, and he's very good as a hitter, as we saw last year. I think if they if they said no more pitching, you are our regular DH. Like I don't want to say he'd be Jordan Alvarez. But he'd be Jordan Alvarez. Like, he'd be hitting 300 with 30 homers and stealing 25 bases. He can do it all. So he's a better hit tool. He's a much better hit tool than Jordan, then. Well, he has more upside as a starting. Well, Jordan, look what he did. Now, I don't but know Jordan's how many trash cans were involved. Jordan's but power. Jordan's Jordan has power. 40 home run power. But Jordan's going in, like, the fourth round of he's going of drafts, right? Yeah. Fourth or fifth yeah. round at the latest the as a DH only. Actually, so, I'll get you the ADP for him. The point I'm making is, like, if we knew Otani was just going to be the DH... That's a top fifty player in as a hitter, absolutely. But we don't. But, but we don't we, know. We, we, right now, we know he's not that. Right. <laughs> Jordan's NFBC ADP, and this is of recent drafts, say the past two weeks, he's thirty sixth, which means in Great. that he would be a third rounder for us. That would be a fourth rounder. Wow, that's that's genius. And 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 I'm wondering how much everybody is potentially corrected for the whole Astros situation. 
Because that right, so, is one of the guys that worries me a little bit. All right, so you and I discussed the Astros situation on the last show, and AJ, we didn't get your take on this. Our general take was that if Bregman falls out of the top 15, it's ridiculous. Altuve shouldn't fall out of the top 20 in a roto or points, because I just don't think their numbers will be affected. Jordan is affected. The home numbers were unbelievable, and he, that what he did was unbelievable. But what's your take overall? I mean, I'm not changing anything in terms of my rankings in, in terms of this news. Uh, you know, the proof will be it, what they do going forward. I mean, now every every park when they're on the road, if I'm if I'm on that team looking at them in the dugout and I'm thinking that there was some shenanigans going on, I'm setting up my own banging system and just banging it <laughs> every third pitch just to see who flinches. I mean that that's how you fight it. You know, if, if they if they've been reacting to it, you'll see who flinches and then you'll know who was in on it. Um, but I, I don't think there's anything here really that that's going to affect the fantasy value to the extent that it, that you're going to notice it. Y- yeah, their numbers might be lower if they were using some sort of system and they don't have the system anymore. But I personally, I don't feel that the impact was that great. I agree. In, I agree. In defense of the Astros as a whole, in terms of a ranking perspective. Uh, remember the Ryan Braun return year. If people are talking about the fact that it's going to be so difficult for the Astros to get through the year with this kind of scrutiny, Braun got a lot of boos in road games that year. I think Alex Bregman with more walks and strikeouts is going to be fine. I and Jose too. Altuve, who slugged it. They're very, ice, very ISO. good players. These guys are very good players. Maybe Gurriel's home runs were a fluke because of, you know, his, uh, his distance on them, but still. Houston's got a really good ball club. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the, yeah. my my top thirty hitters are still still have Bregman, still have Altuve, and and have Jordan at number. Yeah, right there. they're they're yeah. fine. Don't yeah. worry about this too much. It's overrated. Okay, um, I guess we're about done because the music stopped and Kyle's putting up his finger. Well, his thumb. forehead. You know, let's be look. We're in studio. Stuff happens in this studio. Sure, you know, but now podcast. my boss is sitting behind me. Is he? I didn't know. Yeah. All right. Well, then I'd better be nice. Okay. This has been the Fantasy Focus Baseball Podcast, hosted by Eric with Tristan and AJ and Kyle. <laughs> and I can't Such do it. Such a relaxing tone. I love it. Just like the music. Why are the cookies on the table? Would are you, you like trying some? to taunt me? Would you like some? I've got cookies for you. You bought three cookies at lunch yesterday, and it would take me a month well, to eat see, them. See, I'm figuring how many we we got five people here, so you and I can each take. You can You're take a mean. third. You can take so a third. First of all, one. it's not going to affect me at all. I saw the cookies. I didn't reach for the cookies. All I want is a bite. I didn't want to crush them in my jacket. I'm crushing AJ's jacket. Who has so, my you know, Hershey kiss for the day? Uh, we are done. I think we'll be back next, what, Tuesday is what we're doing, Kyle? Tuesday is for the rest of February. Then Mondays and Thursdays every week moving forward. Oh, Kyle's the best. Love Kyle. Great draft last night. Good luck. Thank you so much, AJ. Thank you, Tristan. I'm Eric. For everybody, be awesome. Everything is awesome. Darkness.